My name is Derek. I am the network pastor. I get to work with uh, our various church plants. We're looking to identify, deploy, train, and support 20 church planting pastors. We are part of a network that is expanding and growing. We've got a young adult discipleship program. We've got a couple hundred young adults in our uh, college ministry, and from that, we're getting interns, and from that, we're training up church planters and stuff, and that's a little bit of what I get to do. But when I first encountered Christ the King. I was a young adult myself. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Actually wasn't sure that God would really like me, let alone love me, but uh, tripped upon some people that loved Jesus and started reading God's Word, was really excited about the idea of who God was. And I visited a couple places, and I felt like I couldn't connect with God's people. I felt like I couldn't fit in and so I was just about to give up on the idea of church. How many of you wanted to give up on church? Whoop, whoop! <laughs> no? Okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I was uh, about to give up on the idea of church, and I drove down the road. Uh, we used to be down the road in Laurel, our first location, and I see these guys smoking cigarettes, and I'm like, oh man, they're about to get kicked off. I don't know if they know that they're standing in front of a church. And as I walk up closer, they extinguish their cigarettes, and they hand me a program, and I'm like, What? Not only are they smoking here, but they're like involved, and there was something about that that felt like if they're smoking and somebody's okay with it and they're involved, then maybe I could come and be who I am and learn about God. And you know what, Christ the King, there's nothing unique about who we are or what we're doing. We're just trying to create an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to people by allowing others to be who they are. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We don't have a special Bible. We use the Bible. And we're looking at God's Word to learn from His Word uh, how to address some topics that culturally we either stay away from or in churches we're often afraid to talk about. So this is the Taboo series. And I get to talk about loneliness and uh, I was talking with a bunch of other pastors about what is the main issue that we deal with and what is it that causes these issues. And there, there are a lot of things that people come to the church for and that people are, are, are talking to pastors about, but uh, one of the things that seems to connect all of these issues together is identity. Some would say tragedy because we're dealing oftentimes with tragedies, with life and death situations, and people are reaching out to the church looking for where is God in the midst of this tragedy and how do I deal with this? But tragedy actually reveals our identity, what we think about God and what we think about ourselves. So our identity reflects to ourselves in the midst of tragedy, in the, in the midst of day-to-day who we think we are and who we think God is. You know, we just saying, you're a good, good father, and I'm loved by you. But in tragedy, it, it's, it's, it's often difficult. And so when people don't understand who they are or who God is, or they've experienced some type of tragedy or loss, they often isolate. They often step back from community. They think that that this thing has happened or I've responded poorly and if I shared with people, people wouldn't understand who I am and worse yet, they would or could reject me. 
And so we feel lonely. And so we're going to look at what, it, what the Bible says about loneliness and how we, can, how we can approach this topic in a way that honors God, but also honors who, who God has created each of you to be. So if you had one personality flaw that you could fix, would you, would you, would you want to fix it? Because there's a lot of people that would rather deny that they have a problem than actually fix it. And if you could better understand the reason that those around you have problems, would you want to know or, uh, and understand? Because many people just, just like having their opinions and just labeling other people based on how they act and not really understanding what they could do to help a person. And this morning, we're going to talk about this unwanted symptom of humanity that hits us at various times. And we want to look at addressing this symptom in a way that brings healing to ourselves and to others. If you struggle with loneliness, I want you to know that you are not alone. Like Loneliness is this issue that makes us feel like no one would understand, but the good news is we serve a God who fully understands, and so I want you to, to see more about how God addresses and wants to help you in your loneliness, but if you are one of the privileged people that, that has not experienced the depth of loneliness, I want you to have more compassion and empathy and understanding for those of us that do struggle or wrestle in this area. Jesus is the hope of the world. He's not afraid of difficult conversations. Every hair on your head is numbered. God knows you through and through better than you know yourself. And I want us to be able to address this topic truthfully. So in September of 1987, big month, big month, I know. And uh, there was a group of 35 sweaty freshmen, high schoolers on a football field gathered around for a post-practice meeting. And Coach was really intense, and we could tell, you know, he's excited for the year and a lot of stuff's going on, but he was also frustrated, and we knew this was going to be one of these difficult meetings where we were going to be corrected a little bit. And so he starts laying into us, and you guys are doing this, and you're not doing this, and we need to do this better. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about, and there is a cancer on the team. And if we do not root this out, something is going to, to divide our team and keep us from our goals. And I'm standing there with my helmet under my arm, wondering, you know, leaning in, wondering what he's talking about. And he's like, and the cancer's name is Derek Archer. <laughs> That's my name. What? Like, I didn't know at the time, but you're supposed to praise people publicly and rebuke them privately. My coach obviously didn't learn this, and so here he is laying into me in front of all my peers. So apparently I had an attitude problem, and that attitude needed adjusting, and we were going to deal with it right there on the football field. Thank you, coach. And the, the problem is, I didn't know how to say at 14 years old, coach, I'm lonely. My dad took his life a few years ago. I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to deal with the pain of that. 
In fact, I might only be out here on the football field because it's one of the things that reminds me of him. Because until you, he was my football coach. And you know, I might be acting out in front of my friends and I might be doing some things that you're calling an attitude problem, but the truth is, is I am just looking for love and acceptance and belonging because I've been abandoned by, by, by the one person that I thought was supposed to protect me and, and care for me. And I didn't know how to say that at 14 years old. But I'll tell you, in, in this moment, I felt completely alone and completely misunderstood. And you know, statistically, there are people in this room that feel that way right now. And most of us can look back on our time of our life where we felt lonely or misunderstood. And sometimes it's as simple as changing jobs or changing neighborhoods. And all of a sudden, we have to find a new group of friends. And, and the people we used to hang around with aren't there anymore. But sometimes it's something more dramatic, like the loss of a loved one or a spouse leaving. And we're left with, with the difficult pain and the constant dripping reminder of loneliness. What do we do? Before that meeting on the football field, no one would have said that Derek was lonely. I was very socially active, was in the middle of everything. I was the quarterback on this team and supposed to be a team leader. And, but I was dealing with, with pain that I didn't know how to deal with. And if, if you're dealing with pain that you don't know how to deal with, you need to know that God sees everything. And that might not be of comfort to you, but in, in John 11, Jesus shows up at his friend's graveside. And he takes a moment and he just grieves. And when I read that, God became safe to me. Jesus became real. Jesus is a person who will meet you in your pain. The scripture says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. But I want you to know that, 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 that the Spirit of God is right there with you and will meet you and sometimes weep and grieve with you and ultimately comfort and heal you if you'll let him. If you're not familiar with David, he was chosen by God to be a king. Uh, he, he was called a friend of God. The promised one that was to save the world was to come through his lineage. One of his descendants was going to save all of his people. So if, if ever there was a person who you think would feel like totally, totally, totally like they have it all together, it would be a king that's a friend of God that, that whose you know, great, 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 great grandson is going to heal the world. But David writes again and again and again that he is struggling with loneliness. And we can learn a lot about his honesty. He said, Psalm 25, Turn to me, God, and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. He relates, he relates to loneliness 
and takes his loneliness to God. Now, he would visit various towns. Could you imagine if you drove uh, up to Linden or down to Bellingham and, and you drive into the town and everybody's singing your name like, yay, way to go, you're, do, you're so great. And when David would walk into a town, they would sing about Saul uh, you know, taking care of thousands, but David would take care of tens of thousands. David's like the greatest. And uh, Linden throws parades all the time. They throw a parade in your honor. You know, they pull the tractors out, you know, just because Derek is here. Woohoo, woohoo. My kids were in the parade yesterday. So anyway. But David goes from place to place, known by many, and feeling terribly alone. You know, if he would have had a Twitter account, he would have had the most Twitter followers most Instagram followers, most Facebook friends. And here he is realizing in the midst of his struggle of humanity, he feels alone, but he takes that loneliness to God. And if we're going to address loneliness, we need to realize, first of all, loneliness has an image problem. And part of our difficulty in dealing with loneliness is because we misunderstand it or because of this image problem. Well, so one of the things we need to understand about loneliness is we see loneliness as weakness. And because none of us want to be weak in front of other people, we want to act like we have it all together. Saying that we are lonely is a very, very, very difficult thing. And if you're experiencing loneliness... It's really difficult to say to someone who is not experiencing loneliness that you're lonely because it only makes the chasm between your need and their uh, lack of need greater. And we need to be people who, like Jesus, physically stooped down to the earth. He made himself low so others would be great. We need to be people who would stoop down from uh, any position of great community, to meet our brothers and sisters that are experiencing lonely. Loneliness is not a function of weakness. It's a function of humanity. And we have to be careful because at any moment, God could take away blessing. At any moment, we could uh, walk through a, a dark time or experience tragedy and find ourselves in a place of loneliness. And that's not weakness. God does something in loneliness where he is able to meet us in a way that, that, that we're not able to see him at other times. He's able to show himself faithful when, when the world um, is hurting. And we're all looking for something bigger to fulfill us. We're looking for something to live for. We're looking for love, someone to love us completely and to be completely understood. And these are not weak characteristics. They are human characteristics. They're human desires. And so loneliness is not weakness. It is a human condition. But we have another problem in dealing with loneliness, and that is we mask loneliness with busyness. Like some of us don't ever take an opportunity to think that we're lonely because we're just busy, 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 busy. And Americans are known for being notoriously busy. And when you talk to people and they're just so busy and busy and how are you? Well, it's great, but I've just, I'm, do, I'm spending so much time doing stuff. And the difficulty is our calendars and commitments often prevent us from doing the difficult soul work that loneliness will allow us to do 
if we will only take the time to do it. We need to create space in our lives to process. We need to create space in our lives to grieve. We need to create space in our lives to heal. We need to create space in our lives to worship. We need to create space in our lives to read and space in our lives to learn. These things are not going to happen by accident. We're not just going to walk by a church and instantly feel like we gained something. We have to take what we learn in a faith community and, and, and take that time before God. But in order to do that, we've got to remove some of the busyness or some of the non-productive soul things or the things that lie to us or steal from our soul and instead replace it with things that are life-giving. But often we don't do that because it's easier to stay busy than it is to slow down and admit that we're afraid or alone, or uncertain. And that leads us, or not every busy person is loneliness, but busyness is one of the greatest barriers to properly dealing with loneliness. And that leads us to the next problem, is, is we don't know how to deal with loneliness correctly. We wrongly believe that being around people will cure loneliness. And the problem is we can be surrounded by people and, and still be completely misunderstood. If, if you go to the grocery store, you don't have to look very, very long. I mean, like, there's magazines on both sides of you that, that talk about, um, you know, rock stars marrying rock stars and movie stars marrying movie stars. There are people that are trying to understand, be understood by other people that will understand them because they're worshipped by a bunch of people that don't understand them. And, and we're not much different. We're trying to find people whose experience of life is somewhat similar to us that we can relate to, that will understand what we're experiencing so, so that we don't feel so alone. We don't know how to deal with loneliness correctly. One of the issues is there is a difference between being lonely and being alone. Being alone and lonely are two different things. So, in fact, some of us desperately crave time alone. To be alone is not necessarily to be lonely. It's to be by yourself. And many of us need time. Actually, all of us need time by ourselves to hear the still, small voice of God. And so there are times when we need to be alone that isn't necessarily lonely. And 50% of us identify as introverts, which means we need to get away that alone time is what recharges us to be around other people. So being alone is very important to at least half of us. But just because a person likes to be alone does not make them lonely. And conversely, just because a person is surrounded by others doesn't remove them from loneliness. You can be in a crowd, like I was on my football team, and be lonely. You can be part of a big family and be lonely. You can be popular and accepted and still be lonely. Loneliness is feeling alone no matter how many people are still around you. The cure for loneliness is not company. The cure for loneliness is connection. And if we're out in the world and we are uh, around a ton of people, but we feel like no one, there is no one that will really understand what I'm going through, we lack connection, and sometimes being in a crowd makes us feel more alone than being by ourselves. Which means we must learn as the people of God how to live authentically and honestly and invite other people into it 
so that other people don't come into a crowd like this and feel alone. But when we lack connection, we feel lonely. Social scientists have shown that Americans truly struggle with loneliness. A recent study shows that one in four people feel like there is no one that they can talk to about significant matters. So 25% of Americans already feel like they don't have a best friend or somebody that they can really talk to at a soul level. One in five Americans suffer from persistent loneliness. There is something in them that, that is just a constant reminder of their loneliness. A popular European newspaper said that our time is the age of loneliness. Even though we have more mediums by which to connect with people, we are more disconnected than any other time in human history. Loneliness has been found to be twice as deadly as obesity to our health. So there are health risks associated with living isolated lives. Loneliness is the leading cause of addiction. If you have strong ties to family, friends, and coworkers, you have a 50% chance of living longer than disconnected friends. What is the best way we can address loneliness? Uh, two primary areas to examine, and one is lack of community with God. Is it possible that the reason that, that, that we suffer from loneliness is because we chase after things that don't satisfy our souls. If you read the Ten Commandments, the first four are basically do not try and run after anything that will not satisfy. Spend time with the one who created everything. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't, don't, don't try to make something into something that will meet your soul that cannot there is one who created your soul, and he is the one that will fulfill your soul. And we get away from the Ten Commandments, and we try to make people into idols or sports into our idols. Go Hawks, but don't be an idol. And, um, you know, but we, we are not able as, as um, human beings to handle having something in our life that's greater than God without causing damage to the God that created us. And so we have to learn what it means to step into the presence, and, and not only to step into the presence of Him, but to delight in Him in such a way that would bring fulfillment to a wounded soul. And this is what I had to learn to do. I obviously could not get the, the affirmation I needed from my earthly father because he had died. But I stepped into the promises of God, which says he will be a father to the fatherless. And I cried out with honesty like David and the psalmists because I wasn't expected to act like I had it all together. I was able to say, God, I don't understand. God, I'm mad at you. God, I'm frustrated. God, will you help me? God, why is there pain in this world? God, why did this happen? And God answered. And part of the difficulty with our loneliness in relation to God is we're not courageous enough, like the psalmist, to be honest about how we really feel. 
and time after time again, people will talk to me and I'll say, like, it sounds like you're angry with God. And no, 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 I'll never be angry with God. That would be wrong. That would be, well, what's wrong is being angry with God and actually lying about it. God wants you to be honest. And if being mad with him is part of the healing process, then be honest so you can move on from it. And we need to be people that realize that, that God is not so sensitive that, that if we step on his toes, he's going to zap us with a lightning bolt. God is not afraid of our emotions. God actually wants to meet us in the midst of our pain and trials and difficulty and show himself to be holy and significant and able to give us what our soul needs. Jesus says that he is living water to those who want to drink. And my thirsty soul says, yes, Lord, come, Lord, more of you. But I have to learn and I have to discipline my heart and head from running after other things so that Jesus will be the source of that. And here's the thing, you do too. You have no excuse. No other person can make you spend time with God but you. No other person can make you be honest at the level that your soul desires honesty but you. No one else can make you feel connected to God unless you spend the time to be connected to Him. And so we sing songs on the weekends and it's great, but if we go through the week and we serve other things and we spend time on other things and we do not get connected to the God who created us, of course we're going to feel lonely because we're not connected to the one who offers freely. The good news is not just that Jesus died on a cross. The good news is that the death of Jesus provided access to God for the rest of our lives. Do you want that? I do. I do. I really do. But when God was not safe to me, when he was uh, uh, just this, this wicked man in the sky wanting to punish me for everything I did bad, I could not be real and honest. And so I had to learn who he really was. I didn't want to spend eternity with someone who I just thought was going to punish me. I didn't want to spend eternity with someone who I thought we, we, we just had a list of all the bad things about Derek, so I stayed away from him. But when I learned, when I stepped into the promises of God and I learned that he really loved me, then I wanted to get to know this God better. And that's the invitation for you this morning is please don't hear guilt or shame. You have good news. The good news is Jesus has given you an opportunity to know him and the love of the Father in such a way that will fulfill you like nothing else can. And we could do an experiment where we would say, how about half the room go all in with Jesus and half the room go off and try and find fulfillment in other things? And let's meet back here in 10 years and see who, let's see the fruit of our pursuits. And no one would take that deal because we all know how that would end up. But yet, indirectly, we just stay busy so that we can avoid our loneliness and ultimately try and justify avoiding God. Do you know how to make space for God? Do you know how to invite him into your life? John 17, 3 says, eternal life is this, to know the one and only God and his son Jesus whom he sent. 
This word in the Greek is gnosko. It's to know intimately. God wants to wrap his life in your life. It want, wants them to be intertwined, that nothing you do is apart from him. Everything you do is with him. A follower of Christ is not one of the things you do. It is everything that you do. What would it look like to truly know him, experience him, understand and feel understood by him? The greatest gift for me is I feel like God understands me in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my loneliness. The psalmists are honest, raw, and real. And it may sound counterintuitive, but the way out of loneliness is to spend more time alone. Not with work or social media or entertainment, but with the one who created our soul. And when we're able to receive from him, when we're able to receive love from God, we learn to love ourselves in a way that we don't march out into the world demanding that the world will love us or fulfill us in ways that the world is not able. What if we leverage more time communing with God's Holy Spirit to learn and to grow, to be healed, and to be changed for his glory? God can take it. He can take our loneliness. God can handle your pain. He can meet you in the midst of your soul's darkest day. King David also wrote, this is Psalm 20, 25. It says 26 in your program. Totally my fault. Sorry about that. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me. And this is the other verse I shared, for I'm lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like you were longing for help and you felt like no one cares? David poetically captures loneliness. And he might have been feeling threatened or understood, but he brought all his troubles to God. When he feels trapped or alone, he cries out to God. Psalm 25 says, The Lord confides in those who fear him, in those who revere him, in those who desire him, in those who know him, in those who, who lift his name up high. He confides in us. He will speak his secrets of love. He will whisper to your heart and your soul things that you need to hear because he's a good father and he knows. He knows what you need. Do you believe that? Because if we believe that, then we spend time doing that in a way that allows us to have something left over to give to others. So we're not constantly in community just taking. We are in community giving out of what we've received. So what if loneliness is not a problem? What if it's a gift? What if it's a gift to be lonely? What if our lack of connection reveals that there is one so much greater to be connected to? And when we address our own loneliness and when we are healed of our loneliness, we can then step into difficult situations and help others be healed and helped the way that we were healed and helped. Could there be holiness in your loneliness? Could it be that God wants your attention? Could it be that the troubles of life are simply another vehicle by which the God of the universe is communicating to you? Could it be that our souls need God's intervention? Psalm 142, David says, Set me free from the prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. What he's saying is, God, give me Victory over this isolation, this loneliness that feels like a prison, over disconnection so that others will know what a good God you are. If our loneliness, what if our loneliness is to see and seek God so that we can help others see and seek God? 
Could it be that when we're lonely, it's simply a signal that God wants more of us and he wants us to press in to him through prayer? Could it be that when we're lonely, it's a signal that God wants more of us and we need to press into him through prayer? Well, lack of connection with God is is a problem that because of Jesus we can solve through time and honesty and friendship, through receiving love and, and, and extending honor and praise, through understanding God rightly and, um, and healing ourselves of our, our, our own broken idea of who God is and healing ourselves of our own broken idea of who we are, forgiving ourselves the way that for God forgives us. Big source of broken identity is people who say they accept God's forgiveness, but they continue to punish themselves for what they've done. Write a list, look in the mirror, and apologize to yourself. Ask yourself for forgiveness for those things and watch God set you free. So we struggle with lack of connection with God, but we also struggle with lack of connection with others. And there's easy ways to find community, joining a book club, hobby, sports team, attending church. But there's difference between finding a community and making a connection. And God wants you to be connected. If connection were easy, though, we wouldn't struggle with loneliness. In creation story, we see Adam. He's got a great job. He's got great job security. There's no one else to take his job. So he's the only man for the job. And he's walking around and he's naming all the animals. And he's got perfect fellowship with God. And God had created everything. And every time God created something, he said, it's good. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. But he sees Adam. And for the first time in human history, God says something is not good. He says, Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. And we take this as a marriage verse, and, and, and it's so much deeper than marriage. You are part of a, a team sport called life. And in, in, in this sport of life, maybe you'll be married uh, for a season, but you, it is never good for you to be alone. And God creates a helpmate that is totally different, that that is, is confusing, that he doesn't understand. He gives them, him this gift and calls her woman. And through the graciousness of God and the differences, they are able to understand more of who God is. And they get themselves in some trouble. And they try to hide from God. In the meanwhile, God is offering them something that their broken soul doesn't understand, which is continual fellowship with him. And, you know, we, we, we sometimes use friends to get in trouble rather than to, to get with God. But when you have a good friend, that friend will expose the areas of your life that, that help you be more like God. Women do that, right? For you guys. I know my wife does. I mean, she is, is like God's mirror on my soul. And God knew I needed so much help. He gave me three daughters. (laughs) So I could really, really learn. The answer to loneliness is love. And it's one thing to give and receive love to God. God is safe to love. But it's another to give and receive love from other broken, wounded, 
difficult, stubborn people. You know, we want to be understood, and we want to surround ourselves by people who understand and think like us. But the problem is, if we're around people that just think and act like us, we're not challenged to love. We just fit in. And love becomes safe when love is greater than understanding. When we love those who don't think or act or believe like us. And the gospel that God has called us to isn't go out into all the world and love those people that have the same political party or skin color or uh, place in the socioeconomic ladder. Jesus is calling us to love the hurt and the broken and the forgotten and to stand against injustice and to fight for those who can't fight for themselves and to love those who see themselves as unlovely and to partner with him to bring the presence and peace of God through his kingdom. Let it come, Lord on earth as it is heaven. That's what you've been called to. As a kingdom citizen, that is what you've been invited into. And you cannot do that on your own unless love is your highest calling. So God doesn't just call you into community to have a friendship club. God calls you to be around a people who are not like you and love them in spite of their differences. And that's how you're going to be healed. And in, in, in doing so, in extending love, maybe even to those who don't deserve it, God is going to heal your brokenness, your isolation, and your loneliness through love. My dear brothers, it says in James, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We're to seek to understand before trying to be understood. Our culture is constantly screaming opinions at each other through popular media and the internet. It's not leading to love, and it's not leading to understanding. It's not leading to belonging. In fact, a lot of us are getting more and more isolated and afraid and alone. What would it look like to find a group of people that maybe we don't fully understand, but that we can feel connected to? The opposite of loneliness is not company. The opposite of loneliness is connection, and God wants to connect you to him and to connect you through others. But you've got to do the bold work of receiving his love and the bold work of intentionally loving others. Will you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you, God, for how you have shown ridiculous love to me. I want to thank you, God, that though I'm tempted to feel alone sometimes, God, I am never alone. God, no one here who believes in Jesus, is ever alone. You say that you will never leave us or forsake us. You are a good Father. God, I thank you for your constant presence in my life, and I thank you that every person here has an option to experience you in a significant and meaningful way through who Jesus is and through what Jesus has done. I thank you that we're not alone. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in this room. God, you say that you minister to and that you're close to the brokenhearted. And Lord, for the people here today that are lonely, will you comfort them? But God, will you also give them a spiritual family? It says that you put the lonely in families, and I don't want people to feel alone in the family of God. God, help us get past acting like one way and feeling another and let us be vulnerable and real and authentic 
so that we can see you and see others the way that you see others, so that we could love you and love others the way that you love others. But ultimately, God, selfishly, I just want to be healed. I want to be helped. I want to do life in a family. And that's what you offer, God. So thank you, Lord, that in Ferndale we have this beacon of light and we have this family of God to be part of. God, would you help the people of CTK in Ferndale, God, to love boldly for your sake, that we would know that there is a God in heaven and that we would praise you and that others would be healed and come to know you. Lord, through the radical love lived out by the people in this room. God, we commit this day, this time, and our future to you in your name, Jesus. Amen.